0: and explain how to apply God's word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Something made me think about a strange experience that I had years ago in a church located in Wales. Strange how the mind and memory work sometimes. I don't even recall why the memory lodged in my subconscious only to surface again on this particular occasion. Something obviously triggered the memory. I had been traveling around Wales on the occasion that I described this morning, taking photographs of interesting subjects and places. We came upon a large old church, perhaps I should even say a cathedral. It was large and impressive with its towers and steeples and boulders. There was no services being conducted at this particular time, But, as is true of many of these churches in the UK, it was open for worshippers and those seeking a moment alone with God. I ventured in through the huge, heavy wooden doors, an effort just to open them and step inside. Inside, as I entered the sanctuary, I immediately sensed that the atmosphere, the ambiance, if you will, of the sanctuary was different. Gone were the hustle and bustle of the outside world. The myriad noises and sounds of everyday life were suddenly, effectively silenced. There was an eerie silence, actually, that descended on all of those who entered that building. I looked around. I was alone. No one else was in this vast sanctuary. And as is usually the case in these places, there were numerous stone coffins around the outside perimeter with rows of chairs arranged down the center of the church. Some of these coffins were dated from the 1700s. I noticed too that I was walking on time-worn stone tiles, many of which indicated that someone had been buried there beneath hundreds of years before. The place just reeked of history. But I couldn't get over the silence, silence so thick that you could almost feel it, My ears were ringing in the silence. My wife joined me at this point. We both slipped over to the chairs and sat down. Because of the palpable silence, we unconsciously tiptoed over to those seats, afraid I guess, to disturb the silence of the place. Sitting there, we looked around and admired the fantastic beauty of the church, its engraved pulpit, tremendous buttresses, and curved, sculptured arches. Most incredibly, the paintings on the ceiling and the art arranged all over the walls. I suppose that all was visible there that day was a testimony, really, to the God who was the center of worship in the building. Everything was geared to focus a person to consider life, not just life, but a life lived in a world designed by, ordered, and overseen by the God of creation. I was awed to think of the innumerable people who would have sat or stood in this very place over the hundreds of years that this building had stood there with the singular purpose of worshipping God. How many prayers would have ascended to heaven from this building through wars and periods of peace, invasions and victories, ordinary days and recessions, days of plenty, days of need. And now I sat there sharing the same space, worshipping the same God, the God who is the same in those yesterdays of the past and He is the same today with us in the present and will be the same into the future. My reverie was startled. Something had changed. And I'll explain after our first song call. My wife and I sat there enjoying the tangible silence in that lovely church, our thoughts focused on the history and the reasons for people who have worshipped there over the previous several hundred years, joined in purpose and around our God, when we were suddenly startled back to the present. It quickly became clear what had happened. What had disturbed our focus, broken the silence, that had contributed to the solemnity and holiness of the moment in that church. Someone else had entered through those large Heavy doors. Another tourist, I wondered. A local, perhaps, who came to pray. Whoever it was tried to be quiet and reverent and respectful, like we did, except their effort was thwarted. They must have recently purchased new shoes because as they tried to discreetly and quietly walk over to a chair, each step that they took resulted in a squeak. Their new shoes announced each step as they made their way to the nearest chair resounding throughout the eerie silence of this building. It was actually amusing because of the stark contrast and the assumed embarrassment that must have been felt by the newcomer. No matter how hard he tried, his shoes squeaked. Anyway, startled back to the press and our concentration broken, my wife and I took the opportunity to quietly slip away and resume our investigation of the rest of the village outside the church. Now, with this message for today, here's our Pastor.
1: R&D. We greet you again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ And we thank you for tuning into our program We are continuing with our studies on the mysteries of the Bible Today we are going to be looking at the mystery of godliness This is the second part of a two-part message Our text is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14-16 through 16, And numerous other related texts But please listen In fact, I encourage you to get your Bible and follow along with me as we read from this text. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 16. We want to be sure that you get the Word of God. Not just what I say about the Word, but the Word itself. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 16. Paul is speaking to Timothy. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions... So that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He, meaning Christ, appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up into glory. Now, as we mentioned last time, we're demonstrating from this passage of Scripture that the mystery of godliness is Christ working through His church today to continue His ministry on earth. You see, it is important for us to realize that although Jesus is absent from the earth personally, He is here nonetheless in the person of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, we as the church are his body. And we are to complete his ministry began on earth. From a human perspective, we are the only ones who can do this. We have been chosen to do the ministry that he started. In other words, his, ta- his task becomes our tasks Because we are organically united to him. The mystery of godliness in First Timothy 3 is the clearest and most detailed description of how we are to complete His work on earth. As His body, we are to be and do, now, on earth, exactly what He was and what He did while He was on earth physically. As a result, we too can anticipate being glorified at the completion of the task, even as He was when He had completed His task. Now this intimate relationship and identification in both ministry and lifestyle with Christ is presented in six parallelisms in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I call it the mystery of God-fearing behavior in and by His body, the church. Notice now how the text describes it. First, he says Christ was revealed in the flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 validates his fact it says the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth no one has ever seen God but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known Jesus loved the sinner and he identified with them and he was on earth he himself said That he came to seek and to save that which was lost, so should we. We are his body. He now reveals himself through us to those on this earth, especially those who do not know him. Ephesians 1, verse 22. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. He is our head who directs us in completing His ministry on earth. Colossians 1 verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servant, says the Apostle Paul, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a tremendous truth that is. And so he was revealed in the flesh when he was on earth. So we too must reveal through our flesh living out. In other words, living out in the flesh what Christ is like today. But secondly, he was vindicated in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 12 verse 28 affirms this. It says, but if I drive out demons, this is Jesus Christ speaking to the Jews, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He was vindicated in the Spirit by his miracles which Jesus Christ did in the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen now to John chapter 16, a powerful passage. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Today, the Holy Spirit is vindicating the resurrected Christ in and through the behavior and character of the church. What, may I ask you, who, as you listen to me today, what in your activities as a local church, in your attitude and in your behavior, can only be explained by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? That's how Christ is manifested in our flesh today through His church. But thirdly, he was beheld by angels. First Peter one twelve uh, affirms this truth. It says, It was revealed to them, that's the prophets of the Old Testament, that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. He was beheld by angels. Now, Angels are beholding him through the church on earth. Remember, angels beheld him at his birth, his temptation, his arrest, his death, and his resurrection. Throughout his earthly life and ministry, Jesus was the center of angelic interest, attention, curiosity, and ministry. Now, they are beholding him through the church. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 3, verse 10. His intent, that's God, was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. He is now being beheld, as it were, by angels through the church. And then it says he was proclaimed among the nations. This is explained very clearly for us in Ephesians chapter 2 where it talks about Jesus Christ as he he, he, uh, broke down the wall of partition between Jew and Gentile by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. The text says his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility then it says he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near he was proclaimed among the nations and the disciples took that message to the ends of the earth even in their own day and that preaching or proclamation is now to be carried on by the church as we complete the unfinished task of Jesus Christ the scripture says he was believed on in the world what beautiful words these are he was believed on in the world he was the sole object of saving faith while on earth he still is today there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ our job as believers is to lift him up in the world He will draw all men unto himself. That's his job. That's his responsibility. Our responsibility, as we saw in the earlier portion of this passage, is to uphold him as the pillar and foundation of the truth. Then he will draw all men unto himself. And then it says, he was taken up in glory. Now this refers to his ascension. It marks the end of his ministry on earth. And when we took over from him because he had left we took up the baton as it were to continue on the work that he began that's when he started to work through us as his church now when we complete our task we too can anticipate being received up into glory listen to Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What a magnificent promise! Then, in Revelation 12:5, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his Throne. So we have the same truth here. He was taken up into glory. Now if the local church orders herself according to the word of God as to doctrine, attitude, behavior and ministry with Christ as a pattern and head, these things will happen. First, Christ's life will be manifested Colossians 1.27 God's power will be manifested Ephesians 3.20 God's grace will be demonstrated Ephesians 2.7 God's truth will be upheld 1 Timothy 3.15 God's wisdom will be manifested, Ephesians 3.10 God's love will be shown, John 17.23 God's glory will be manifested, Ephesians 3.21 All these things will happen as the mystery of godliness is worked out in and through the church. Now why is this mystery great? John tells us, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. What a wonderful truth this is. As Jesus Christ. Reincarnates himself. In and through believers in Christ. His body. The church. We will be able to do greater things. Than he did himself while he was on earth. Because he will be as it were duplicated to the millions of people who place faith in him As Lord and as Savior The mystery of godliness Jesus Christ Working in and through us His will, his purpose on this earth And we will show the world That God the Father sent him And now he is sending us To show the world that God loves them and send Jesus Christ to be their Savior. My friend, let me ask you if you are listening. Are you representing Jesus Christ in your life? Are you growing to be more like him as an individual? And are you a part of a local church. That is manifesting Christ likeness. In all that they do. In all that you say. Are you upholding the truth. For the glory of God. When you do that. You will be demonstrating what the mystery of godliness is in the world today. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, "Sila, think and act on these things.
0: Address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as Echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout. Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon.
2: we forevermore to stay. The command is called. And in a moment Jesus Christ could come again